there is a train track near my childhood home in upstate New York. Even though it was a few houses away and down a knoll, it would slightly shake the house when it passed by, and still does to this day. I remember when I was young, us kids would race to the walk bridge when we heard the whistle to see it pass under us. The days when we got there in time were always satisfying to watch the cars pass one by one. Our subject today plays on those exact feelings. A film which follows a train enthusiast down a track to a new home, a new town, and great people. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a cup of Café Con Leche from our friends at Saxby's here in Philadelphia. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. who works at a model train store called the Golden Spike. Run by his friend Henry, Finn works in the back repairing the miniature trains customers bring in for refurbishing. Henry is an older gentleman, and together we see the pair do a lot. From eating, going to their train club together, and working, we can tell that the two are close. One day, Henry suddenly passes away, and Finn inherits an old train station from him. The station, however, is not in Hoboken, but in a small town in New Jersey called Newfoundland. With the business being sold, he moves from Hoboken into his new home. Once there, he meets two people will become his friends and social circle, cultivating a life and support system. The train station he inherits is old and, from the outside, looks weathered. The building itself is quite small, providing two windows, a side door, and a front door that faces the tracks. When he arrives to see his new place, we find that it's not exactly homey. There is a bathroom, a kitchenette, refrigerator, and a couch. There's also a desk, industrial fan, and filing cabinets as well, with posters on the wall of destinations. The movie as a whole has a certain charm to it, 
Maybe it's a small town or the everyday life kind of tale, but I find it really nice. A lot of that has to do with the characters we follow. Most of all, our protagonist, Finn. Played by Peter Dinklage, he is a dwarf, meaning that he is a height of 4 foot 10 inches tall or less. We see early on in the film, while still in Hoboken, the daily looks and jeers he is subject to. Sadly, these come from different people, be it adults and children alike. Ignoring most of the comments around him, we can't help but notice that his exterior is a bit hardened, stoic, and protected. As an introvert, he also doesn't like the attention, usually opting to be by himself. This soon changes, however, when he starts meeting new people in his new town. The film was written and directed by Tom McCarthy, and it is his debut feature. Released in 2003, it's a movie that I feel isn't talked about enough, which is a shame because it's a great story. It also packs some fantastic performances and moments within its 90-minute duration. In doing some research, I also found out that McCarthy wrote all the roles with the specific actors in mind, which is pretty interesting. I've always marveled that people can do something like that. It sounds like quite the task from a layman's perspective. The friends he makes in town are Olivia and Joe, each different from Finn and each other in the best ways. These three really make the movie something special, and the performances make the characters three-dimensional. The first person we meet in Newfoundland is Joe. Played by Bobby Cannavale, he is a kind-hearted extrovert who has a great sense of humor. Joe seems to always be talking and wants to be involved in his friends' lives. He runs a food truck named Gorgeous Frank's that serves coffee and food like muffins and hot dogs. Although by the locals' orders, it would seem that he makes a mean cafe con leche. Manning the truck while his dad recovers from an injury, he parks his truck outside of Finn's place each morning to serve his patrons. The first time we meet Joe, Finn is jolted awake by the sound of metal shifting around outside followed by talking. Getting up to investigate, Finn leaves the station and approaches the truck to buy a cup of coffee. With Joe speaking a lot and Finn speaking a little, their relationship is great and well-balanced. Joe might be my favorite character. It's hard not to love him. The second person we meet in town is Olivia played by Patricia Clarkson. She is a well-meaning and nice person who is an artist. She is a bit fragile as she is recovering from the loss of her son and also reeling from a recent divorce. Olivia and Finn meet in the oddest of ways. 
Finn, in need of food and without a vehicle, decides to walk to the local convenience store. Meandering down a back road cutting through the forest, he sees a car approaching. The woman in the car is putting things away as the automobile begins to swerve in serpentine toward him. Not knowing where else to go, Finn dives out of the way and lands in the brush down a small slope next to the road. Panicked, the woman exits to check on him and help him get back on the road. Offering him a ride which he turns down, he is mildly annoyed at the episode. And this is how Finn and Olivia meet. And from this near collision, they form a bond and friendship. There are a lot of great scenes in this film, but one of my favorites is when Joe cooks dinner for the three of them for the first time. Making steak and rice, he serves them food at the table by his truck, and Olivia pours wine. Joe holds out his hands for grace, to which Olivia and Finn are reluctant, but do end up joining hands. Joe, with his head down, asks, who wants to say it? To which Olivia says, you. After some words, they begin to eat when Joe gets a call from his dad, who needs his help with his medication. Before making an abrupt exit, Joe asks, this was fun, right? I love that whole exchange between the three, especially Olivia's you, as in who else is going to say it? You are the one who wanted to say grace. And this is just one example of that. They're almost like kindred spirits who were meant to meet one another. This film boasts great performances from its leads and supportive roles alike. Peter Dinklage is great in his role of Finbar, and I love the progression of his character and how he portrays all of the different changes and how he evolves in his personality. Patricia Clark feels like Olivia. I can't picture anyone else playing her, which is a testament to her performance also. She brings such depth and realness to the character that I really appreciate. And what can you say about Bobby Cannavale as Joe? He's perfect, and he reminds me a bit of my best friend Brian. There's a lot of great qualities in Joe, including his care and his humor. The station agent was made on a budget of $500,000 and was filmed over a 20-day period, a lot of it in New Jersey. In fact, the train station seen in the film can be found in the town of Newfoundland, though it looks a bit different today with a fresh coat of paint. Backed by Miramax, it did very well at the box office considering its budget, making $8 million. It was also included in Sundance, where it won awards including Best Screenplay, Director, and Actress. I remember the first time I saw the station agent. I remember I was in college and, like a lot of times, found myself at Barnes & Noble. The person behind the counter, Andy, was a friend of mine, 
and had rec recommended a few good films to me in the past, and on that particular day, recommended The Station Agent. Trusting his judgment, I bought the DVD and brought it back to my house, where I pressed play. I was pleasantly surprised by what unfolded in front of me. I remember later on, some point in the near future, I watched it with my mom as well, and she too liked the film. It's a really good feeling movie. The characters feel like old friends, and watching it again feels like a reunion of sorts. The movie has a warm feeling to me, a supportive kind of feeling, which makes me want to come back again. I really like this film and think about it from time to time. I love the characters and the journey from start to finish. When I scan my collection, which is fairly often, looking for something to watch, I occasionally glance at the spine of the DVD and smile. I can't speak highly enough about this film, and highly recommend giving it a try. I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you'd like to watch The Station Agent for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on Showtime if you subscribe to that service. Showtime has a price offering of $10.99 per month for the service. You can find it on other apps like Prime Video and Hulu also. You can also find The Station Agent on services like Prime Video, YouTube, Apple TV, Google Play, Vudu for either $3.99 or $2.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes as well. For film fans who are hearing impaired, our blog page features each episode in written form as well. As always... Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.